0: Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He has risen. He has risen indeed for us, broken, sinful, undeserving people. Jesus is alive and he conquered death for us. During Holy Week here at Saints Peter and Paul, starting with last Sunday, Palm Sunday, Moving through Monday, Thursday, this last week, Good Friday, and today. Each each day, each time we've gathered for worship, we've looked at an item associated with each day. So last Sunday, on Palm Sunday, we focused on the crowd that gathered around Jesus, following him as the incoming king of the Jews. On Thursday, we looked at the cup. That is the cup of the Lord's Supper, the new covenant in his blood. On Friday, we focused on the cross that Jesus died on. And today, we focus on the crown. The crown. The crown. Some of you might ask. The crown? For those of you that are expecting me to talk about this, you are going to be sorely disappointed. For those of you who don't pick up on that cultural reference, uh, you're not missing out, all right? So, what? British TV shows, what's the deal? All right, so we're not talking about that crown. We're not talking about that crown, but we are talking about the crown of eternal life. On Easter morning, as you just heard, heard it read, from Luke chapter 24, the women who were close friends of Jesus prepared early in the morning to go and anoint the body of Jesus Christ uh, for burial as was cultural custom. Jesus died on Friday night and Saturday was the Sabbath, a day of rest where no work was to be done. So on Friday night after Jesus died, uh, the women prepared the ointments and the spices and got everything ready and now it's Sunday morning, the Sabbath is over and they're ready to go find Jesus. So they go to the tomb where he was buried, that borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And when they the stone that covered the opening of this cave-like structure was moved away. And the women, first of all, were frightened, afraid. They looked in. Jesus was not there. And two men in dazzling white stood there, angels, messengers from God, and said to the women, Why do you seek? the living among the dead. He's not here, he's risen as he said. He had promised to them he would die and rise, and now it's coming true, and the women marvel at this. So they run back to the, where the apostles were hiding, the men were hiding because they were afraid, and the women tell the men what they have seen and what they've heard. And did you pick up on the men's response? They said to the women, Oh, that's just an idle tale, right? Typical men, right? The women are are emotionally excited, and the men just say, oh, you're just spinning some elaborate stories for us, right? But Peter, thankfully, picked up on the words, and Peter ran. He ran, and, and other gospel writers pick up on this, that Peter ran to the tomb to check it out. There was a husband and a wife who loved to go to church on Sunday mornings together, but they always had a debate on Easter morning about which service they were going to go to. You see, the wife loved to get up early. She was an early riser. She loved to get up early and go to the early morning service. The husband always loved to sleep in and come to the later service. So after years of debating the issue, one year the man finally spoke up and he came to a resolution with his wife. And he said to his wife, why don't, if you are agree, agreeable about this, why don't you go to both services, and I will come to the later one and join you. And she, she was okay with that because he used the biblical example of evidence for her. He said the, the women were the ones who went early anyways, <laughs> right? So, so she was agreeable. She went to the early service because that's what the women did. And when it was time he slept in, he got up, he enjoyed his morning, and when he went out to the garage where his car was supposed to be, there was a note there instead. And his wife said, the Bible also says that on Easter morning, the men ran. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. Here we are gathered on Easter morning. Early risers, late risers, and we're all here to be gathered in the presence of our risen King, Jesus Christ, to gather here and to spend time worshiping and praising him with our fellow brothers and sisters all together, here and throughout the world. But to those of you who are gathered here this morning who are still on the fence about whether or not you really want to fully believe in this Jesus guy, to those of you who are here and... Maybe family dragged you here or you're just kind of curious about this whole thing. My prayer is especially for you today, that the Holy Spirit would be working in your hearts and in your minds and in your lives, and that for all of you, regardless of how you feel about Jesus, what Jesus has done on the cross and in the empty grave is for you, regardless of how you feel about him. He gave up his life to pay the penalty for your sin and he rose victoriously so that death cannot hold you forever. And his invitation is open to you to trust in him with all of your heart and your mind and to not lean on your own understanding. And I pray that the Spirit will move in all of your lives and that you would follow after him. If you've got questions following up after this Easter service, reach out to me. My contact information is printed in the bullets, and I'd love to meet with you and help you to take your next steps in following after Jesus. On Good Friday, just two days ago, if you were gathered here with us or if you weren't, we have a custom here at our church and, and we stuck to our tradition. This old rugged cross right here was brought down onto the floor. And those who were gathered here walked forward and picked up a nail and a hammer and pounded a nail into this cross in remembrance of how it was our sin that died with Jesus. On Good Friday, this cross was filled with nails and it was draped in black, but this morning the nails are gone and it's draped in white. The sins are gone, yet the scars still remain. Each year that we do this tradition, for me, it, it, it becomes a bit more and more meaningful because every year that goes on, I think of the past year and the, and the years prior to, to seeing those brothers and sisters in Christ who came and pounded a nail into this cross, confessing their sins and trusting in Jesus Christ. And those brothers and sisters are now in the presence of our Lord after succumbing to their earthly death. What a marvelous uh, tradition it is to trust in our Lord and to watch as our sins are removed from the cross. On that Good Friday, I also led you in a singing of that old hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. And the closing line of the chorus in that old hymn are these words, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I'll cling to the cross until someday I exchange it for a crown. Just a minute ago, we sang another song called "Resurrecting," and in that song was this line: "It was the very first line, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned in glory now." Those words are from a hymn, or a, a, song, a hymn in our hymnal number three hundred or five hundred thirty-two. If you were curious, uh, it's, it's called the, "The Head That Once Was Crowned with Thorns." is crowned in glory now. Today our emphasis, our theme is on the crown. The crown. And maybe you're saying to yourself, but where in the Easter story? I didn't, I didn't see it, Pastor. I didn't see a crown in the Easter story. You're right. There's not a literal crown that anybody wears on that day, but there was a crown on Friday, a literal crown. It was made of thorns. It was a crown of mockery that they twisted, big sharp thorns, and they put it on Jesus' head. And I just imagine they probably hit his head and made it impale his head a bit. It was a a crown of mockery, and and people said, oh, (laughs) you say you're the king of the Jews? They hung him on the cross, and they said, oh, you're the son of God? Come down and save yourself. Oh, you can save others? Why don't you save yourself? They even hung a sign of mockery above his head that says, this man says he is the king of the Jews. The king? On Palm Sunday, one week ago, that's exactly who we thought he was? That's exactly who the people thought he was. Jesus came in, shouts of hosanna, save us. He came riding on a donkey because that was the animal of choice for Israelite kings. They did not ride on big horses. They rode on donkeys. And so Jesus came in for his coronation right as the eternal king. But then those cries of hosanna turned to cries of crucify him. And now the king is hanging on a cross. The king is hanging his head? The king? He's dead? What kind of king is this? So where's the crown in the Easter story? Well, on Easter morning, Jesus exchanged that crown of thorns for the crown of eternal life. He exchanged the crown of mockery for a crown of victory. He took off the crown of thorns, smashed it to pieces, and put on his head the crown of authority, authority over all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The crown of victory in which all things are subjected to him and all things have to bow down at the name of Jesus Christ. He is victorious. He is king. He has authority over sin, Satan, and death itself. The crown is what Jesus wears. Jesus is our living king. Jesus is our living king and he's king over all. Now I don't know a whole lot about crowns, you know, living in America, the whole premise of living in America, if you know American history, is to not live in a monarchy. (laughs) However, the Brits are still trying to influence us through shows like The Crown and their other media, and I'm not a big fan of British uh, drama, by the way, if you can't pick up on that, but they, they, they have infiltrated us, and so it's a, you know, we learn a little bit about what it looks like in a monarchy. And the thing that I want you to hear today is this, with the crown, what I've learned with the crown in a monarchy, is that the crown belongs to a family. And the crown represents power and authority. And therefore, because the crown belongs to the family, the power and authority belong to the family as its inheritance. You and I are part of the family of God. If you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you are part of the family of God. Those of you baptized children of God are part of the family of God. And therefore, when you are part of the family of God, his victory is your gain. The crown of everlasting life is guaranteed to you. The resurrection from the dead belongs to you, and death will not be your end. You will rise, and you will wear the crown of eternal life. The book of James says it like this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And the last book of the Bible Revelation chapter 2:10 says be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. As Christians, Easter is everything and without easter christianity is nothing i say this almost every single easter and so i might as well say it again if jesus did not rise from the dead our faith is in vain that's in the bible if there were no resurrection from the dead there is no christianity I hope that you understand, those of you who believe in Jesus, and those of you who are questioning belief in him, I hope you understand that the resurrection of Jesus is the linchpin on which our faith stands or falls. If there is no resurrection from the dead, if Jesus did not rise, go home. We're locking the doors, I'm done being a pastor, there is no point in this church, seriously, But if Jesus rose from the dead, and because Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. It changes everything. Jesus rose from the dead. There is so much historical data and evidence to back it up. There are so many eyewitness accounts of his resurrection. If you do not believe me, go look it up for yourselves. It is overwhelming the proof and evidence of Jesus' resurrection. So because he rose from the dead, this is what it means. Jesus is our living king. And because Jesus is our living king, it means everything he ever said is true. And if you look at all of the collective statements about what Jesus said, and if you look at all the collective statements about what the scriptures attest to about Jesus, it is so very good for you and for your neighbors and for our world. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything, for from him comes the forgiveness of all that we have ever done wrong. And from the resurrection of Jesus comes the eternal life that is promised to us. And from the resurrection of Jesus, he moves us to go into this world serving and forgiving and going and giving to the world the gifts of grace in Jesus Christ, not asking for anything in return. And in the end, the end of the story is this, that Jesus is coming back And when he comes back, his resurrection will be ours. His resurrection from the grave will be our resurrection from the grave. And these mortal bodies will put on the immortality and we will live forever with the crown of victory on our heads. You see, the crown of victory belongs to Jesus. And the crown is our inheritance. Jesus is our living king.
1: available for the tempted and the tried he sympathizes and he saves he strengthens and sustains he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleans the lepers he forgives sinners he discharges debtors he delivers the captive he defends the feeble he blesses the young he serves the unfortunate he regards the age he rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well frame of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is masterless. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilots couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the brave couldn't hold him. Yeah.